Welcome to the 424th consecutive week of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, the guy who's really just fudging things and cheating and uncanning episodes to make 424 weeks happen. And joining me on this never-ending journey, except for last week where I used a can episode that he wasn't a part of, is my co-host, Matt. I really like steak sandwiches. They're good. I mean, who doesn't like steak sandwiches? Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Besides vegetarians and vegans, they probably don't yeah, like Yeah, I mean, sandwiches. I'm sure they don't like steak sandwiches. Yeah, people that are morally opposed to the eating of beef, they don't like steak sandwiches. That that would definitely be people who don't like steak. I'm just saying, I like steak sandwiches. I am a fan of steak. I can no longer have the sandwiches unless it's a keto special bun, which, uh, hey, let's just kick into some pablum with this. I went to a restaurant that served sushi last night and tried to remain keto, so I offhandedly asked the waitress if I could get rolls made without rice, just the other ingredients, like all the yummy bits that you really want, and the rice is just a filler. And uh, she said, yeah, we can do that. It's basically called deconstructed sushi or something like that. And she said she has a really great sushi chef that would love to, you know, basically take on the challenge. She said just she said something about just don't expect them to be as pretty as regular rolls. And I went, oh, of course not. I just want the yummy goodness. So I yeah. uh, put in my order. I wait a little bit. And then when she brings a plate out to me, she sets the plate in front of me. And I thought uh, she made a mistake. I was ready to be like, um, ma'am, there's sushi with rice in here. It's clearly just rolled like a normal sushi roll, but the rice is in the inside. That's not what I wanted. And then I look closer and no, no, the, the person, the sushi chef actually found a way to like dice up like some of the meats and things and like did like special stuff to basically make it feel like it is a sushi roll and spent extra time on on it and, and did this all for the same cost as like a regular roll without like, you know, like the thing that they're used to doing like a factory because it was yeah. a, because it was a challenge. The person rose to the occasion and in the process gave me way more fucking meat than I would have gotten otherwise. And uh, so I'm really really stoked and that was an amazing thing and i got sushi kind of back on the menu with a slight modification that most people would think is just egregious to remove all the rice damn good shit yeah well that was kind of the highlight of my weekend was late night sushi which is why i'm so fucking tired it has nothing to do with the fact that i'm also ultra high and you got to do your review first <laughs> yeah i'm being all sorts of irresponsible today it doesn't matter uh, Fuck I, I, it, sunday yeah i would submit to you though that uh, the state <laughs> of mind that i am in currently is probably the best state of mind in which to discuss the mind fuck of a movie that is the shrine yeah yeah it's probably for the best no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind of being high too, but I got to go to work after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I texted you and basically said, "Hey, listen, yeah. there's going to be dialogue in this film that is not English. Uh, you yeah. are not meant to understand it because that is where the fear comes from. You're supposed to be experiencing it from the character's perspective of being trapped in Poland and not speaking a lick of Polish or being able to get help." Yeah, it's it's off putting. <laughs> Well, we're kind of already starting to talk about it, but I wanted to kind of give folks that heads up where it's like, one, this review is going to just flat out spoil the film. Pretty much from here on out, we're going to just flat out spoil things as we go, because there's no way to really talk about this film without really talking about everything in context. And there's a context before the big reveal and a context after the big reveal. So we're just going to get through the big reveal and then just talk about it, basically. We're just going to just basically spoil it right from the start so that we can talk about how scenes are perceived before and after the big reveal that gives us a little bit of a twist. There you go. Uh, that's the first warning. And the next one essentially is if you are not willing to put in the work for the 
twist. It will not work for you. And part of that is really putting yourself in the perspective of you can't understand these people. And instead of being frustrated that you don't have subtitles as a viewer, put yourself in the mindset of the people that are trapped there and you are not supposed to be able to understand them and you will enjoy it much more. Yeah. All right. I think that's pretty much the preface for the review that we need to do. And uh, that's pretty much how I texted Matt, who responded with something along the lines of, thank Christ, you're doing the fucking notes for that one then. Yeah, better than you than me. (laughs) Yeah. And there's one more little piece of house cleaning. Next week will actually be the start of a full franchise fest, but we're going to do the mini ones uh, like we kind of used to do, but not really. I'm changing it since Matt and I have to record every other week and things are really busy for both of us and just generally fucked all around for both of us in some way, shape, or form, although me in a good way and he in his way that is depressing him and we're trying to keep him going, everybody. Uh, We're not going to do the full franchise fest where we do three movies in one review for for 425 anymore. I'm I'm putting... I'm putting that to bed at least until we get some more spare time to be able to do something like that. You know, just at least until life turns around. Right. Until life stops kicking Matt in the testes and leaving its foot there after every <laughs> kick. I mean, right in the taint. Really just pinpoint taint kickage. Yeah. Until life stops stomping on Matt's taint and grinding it like he paid it to do it, we like we're a gonna have boot to, and mud only wetter. <laughs> we're gonna have to do it this way. So uh, we're gonna do the Tiger Claws series one, two, and three, starring the lovely, lovely, lovely Cynthia Rothrock. And Matt's gonna mm. Matt's gonna have the first review on that next week. The second review will be mine the following week, and then the third week we will go ahead and finish it out with that. And then after that, I do believe is when we actually start in on the Laura Gemsner stuff that I promised. Uh, things had to shift around in our schedule. Shit got really fucked up. And uh, no, we have one more episode after that. And then we will be starting in on the actual coverage of the Laura Gemsner movies. So, yeah, Gemsner Glamour will actually start officially on episode 429. And that's what I decided to dub that series as is Gemsner Glamour. What do you think, Matt? I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, stop fucking around and stretching out the episode even more with some pablum, although I feel like we're going to probably need it. Uh, it's a very short movie that we're covering this week. And and uh, let's get into the review of the shrine and depress the fuck out of everybody after we got him excited with the thought of Gemsner glamour. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So for the pirate radio edit this week, while you were listening, it's going to be black metal, death metal, and and just metal, metal, and all of the metal will be about curses because there's a big curse going on in this film, which is once again a spoiler alert. I already kind of warned you folks, but anyway, up first is Behemoth with Cursed Angel of Doom. Right after this, this will keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. 
little bit of a bonus. Behemoth is also a uh, Polish band, by the way. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice for them. <laughs> I suppose so, except uh, they speak about uh, things that are actually illegal currently in Poland, and they could be arrested and have been for performing there. Well, you know, sometimes shit happens. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of that shit that happens, let's talk about the shit that happens in the shrine <laughs> from 2010. All right, so the first 20, the film opens with dark, moody credits that move through an old barn or church building, ending on doors that very much look like a church building when a terrified young man is dragged into a ritual chamber, tied down while an incantation is read, and the young man is murdered when a man smashes a hammer down, cutting to the title card and then to a young woman getting out of the shower with some brief nudity and a little bit of Peter Griffin's favorite that is the side boob. So thank you, movie. Thank you, movie. After she is dressed from another cut that jumps in the movie, she starts to have dialogue with a guy that I know for sure is an Ashmore, although I don't fucking care which one it is. Their dialogue is our first clip. I read your article. Article? More like a blurb if you ask me. It was well written. Spare me the sympathy, Marcus. Come on, Carmen. How long are you going to be bitter about your work? Well, it's bullshit. I mean, I write one controversial story and I push down to the bottom of the food chain. You probably should have left it alone. You knew it was going to get you in trouble. Would you stop talking about this, please? Okay. Well, what do you want to talk about? Maybe the fact that you spend half your time with me typing on the phone. Or the fact that you keep breaking our plans after we make them, because I'm good with either. Where's this coming from? Forget about it. I'm going to get going. No, 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 seriously, what is this? You think that this is fun for me? It seems like every time that we hang out, your mind is somewhere else. I'm swamped with work right now, Marcus, you know that. Yeah, so am I. But I turn it off when I'm with you. Gotta give a little. Oh, so now I'm selfish. Yeah, kinda. Okay, I think that's enough. Yeah, I think it is. I'm out of here. Marcus. Bees. Yeah, bees. Mm-hmm. A farmer in Orchard Meadows, Omaha, claims that none of the bees are returning to the hive and that only 20% of the crop is being pollinated. Why don't we try something else? I've got a lead in the Eric Taylor case. Look, young man goes backpacking across Europe, goes missing. It happens all the time. It's a dead case. No, no, there's more to it than that. He was last seen leaving a motel in Koski, Poland. Now, Sarah and I have been doing some research. We found record of five tourists that have gone missing in the last 50 years while traveling through the exact same area. Carmen, how many times do I have to tell you? Just listen, okay? The strange thing is that shortly after they disappear, their luggage turns up in random cities all over Eastern Europe. Now, I spoke to Laura Taylor, Eric's mom. She recently received a phone call from the Prague airport claiming they have Eric's luggage. There's no record of him ever entering the Czech Republic. That doesn't sound like fresh concrete evidence to me. Have you ever been to an airport? Luggage gets lost all the time. Not interested. And Carmen, I don't want you and Sarah wasting company time with this missing person stuff. Are we clear? Hello. Hi, Mrs. Taylor. I'm Carmen Burke. Carmen, it's so nice to finally meet you. Please call me Laura. This is Sarah Tattersall. She's an intern at our company. Hello, Laura. It's a pleasure. Please, come in. Eric had been planning his trip for over a year. He was never much into school. He always just wanted to travel. And we're at the police with this now. It's an absolute joke. I contacted the Kosky police. They say they found nothing. I contacted the police here. And after waiting for days for them to get back to me, they call me to tell me that Eric is now officially on a missing persons list and that his case has been moved to a different department. You mentioned that you'd been contacted about Eric's luggage. Have you been able to claim it yet? Yes. It's upstairs in his room. 
All his clothes are there. His books, his journal, his hotel receipts. Did you tell the police that? I mean, there could be evidence. Yes, of course. I called them right away. They told me that they were too backed up to come, that they would get to it when they could. Would it be okay if I take a look at Eric's luggage? There could be something there that may help us. Yes, of course, please. Uh, will you forgive me if I don't escort you up? I, I find it difficult to be in that room. I understand. Thank you. It's upstairs on the right. I'll make some tea. I'll help you. Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, uh, Marcos, the boyfriend who I refer to as photographer and douchebag a few different times, sure sounds to me like he is tired of being always responsible for only doing beach and that also he feels he is not enough for her. Yeah, it uh, doesn't sound like there's a lot of good stuff going on around here. It's like a, a it's a very troubled relationship. Yeah, our main character very clearly is checked out of everything but trying to skyrocket her career as a reporter reporter and do these interesting, wild, crazy stories and be like this expose Geraldo type uh, cub reporter because she really wants excitement, is tired of the blurbs because she took some kind of a risk and is being punished. Uh, clearly, all she cares about is her own ego. We just need to say that right off the fucking bat. Um, yeah. All sorts of red flags going around everywhere because nobody's getting along. Always a bad sign in a horror film. Uh, people are not telling other people that are about to go traveling with them the whole story and the reason as to why they're doing this. Some people don't know where they're going. We're about to find all of this out and it's all huge, huge red flag. Why am I Yeah, lots of red flags going on around here. Why am I pointing all of this out? Because the movie's only an hour and 23 minutes and this episode's going to be very short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my next week movie ain't all that long either. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so she starts digging through his stuff and then finds his travel diary and finds what might have been the last location of where he disappeared from and and then there is more dialogue and our next clip. <laughs> yeah, that was Eric and his cousin when they decided they wanted to get tattoos. I told them they were crazy, but Eric really wanted one. Is this your husband? Yeah, that's my Jim. He passed away five years ago. I'm sorry. It hurt Eric a lot. Laura, could I borrow this for the time being? It's Eric's journal, but I'd really love to spend some more time with it. I don't see why not. I don't imagine the police will want it anytime soon. Thank you for your time. Last journal entry, Alvania. While in bed doing some research for her work, Carmen hears what she thinks is her name being whispered as more and more signs seem to be saying she is fucking around where she does not want to be finding out and ignoring the foreboding signs enveloping her. As she gets up to close the window, she has a vision of the missing boy not once, but twice. Oh wait, that's just a nightmare, or was it? That leads us yeah. to our third clip. Dun, dun, dun. Look, I hate fighting with you. Well, obviously we're fighting for a reason. I know, and and I agree. My head hasn't been in this relationship lately, but I want to fix that, which is why I think you should come on this trip. I appreciate that, but if we're going to take a trip together, why don't we go to the Cayman Islands or something? Because there's no story in the Cayman Islands. Right, right. Come on, Marcus. I think you're a great photographer. I want you to shoot this. Tell you what, I'll leave my Blackberry in the hotel. I don't know, Carmen, it sounds a little dangerous. Could be. I'm not kidding. I'm surprised that Dale would even allow this. It sounds like a police matter. Yeah, well, the police aren't doing shit. Carmen. I'm going no matter what. I have to. We've already booked the tickets. Just think about it, all right? I gotta get back. Here's the contact info for Carl Pearson. He's the farmer with the dying crops. There's another farmhouse just to the east of him. Apparently, they're having the same problem as well. I mean, these bees are literally just dying off. 
Anyway, he's looking forward to meeting the two of you. This should be a good experience for you, Sarah. Are you excited? Yeah, very excited. Good. Keep up the good work, girls. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Marcus. Yeah? Okay, great. Oh, no, we should have everything prepped soon. No, we'll work out the details later. I'm really glad you're doing this. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, we're good to go. Marcus is going to shoot for us. Listen, I want you to start checking out motels in Poland. Start with one that Eric was staying at in Koski. <sighs> I can't believe we're doing this. We're going to have to start brushing up on our Polish. Already a step ahead of you. They cut from this to Poland and show our intrepid travelers in a car. And while well, they're talking, dialogue next clip. So, what else do we know about this place? Not much. Make their own clothes, they grow their own food. Apparently the land's known for growing mushrooms. It doesn't look like Eric was in Albania very long. There's only a few journal entries. Hey, listen to this one. There's something odd about this village. The people seem very cold and distant. There's no motels or hostels, so I'm roughing it in an old barn. I've noticed some kind of smoke looming above the tree line on the outer edge of the village. I thought it was a fire at first, but it actually seems to be more like a fog just sitting there. Was this kid eating the mushrooms by any chance? That must be the turn up ahead. Well, I guess we're here. Pull over here, we'll just walk. Eric wasn't kidding about this place. Oh my God, that's sick. Come on, he's just a farmer. Need I remind you where hot dogs come from? You said they teach English in school here, right? Yeah, that's what I read. Hi there. Those are beautiful. Do you speak English? Yes, little. My name's Carmen. That's Marcus and Sarah. What's your name? Lydia. Lydia? That's a very pretty name. Thank you. We're journalists from America. Do you know America? Yes. Cheeseburgers. <laughs> yes, cheeseburgers. Have you ever traveled outside of Albania, Lydia? No, not allowed. That's too bad. Do you like it here? No. How come? Listen, Lydia, we're looking for a young man. His name's Eric Taylor. Have you seen him? You have to go. Have you seen this man, Lydia? Lydia! Now take me out! Mówi Wenchi. Nie rozmawiaj z Jobstą w Krajowcami. Idź do środka. Let's keep moving. They hightail it from that spot, and that is the end of the first 20 minutes. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. When a, when a little child says they don't particularly like living in places, um, yeah. go. I'd run. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. you gotta. You absolutely have to at that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we kind of talked about it, and I said that there was going to be like a perception change in the twist. So I already said I was going to spoil it. It's pretty much here in the reception of the town and how cold and distant and also just outright hostile some of them seem. Yeah, it's it's not good. 
So you're going to perceive it one way the first time you watch it until you get the reveal or until we fully spoil it for you. And then you're going to see it a completely different way later on as to why the town is behaving in this manner. But essentially, you can tell they are just fucking tired of people always wondering what's going on with the fog and the smoke in that forest. They have been dealing with this for far too long. And everybody that starts poking around this town is going to be a problem for them. And they obviously react in such a way they're hostile and trying to cast people out. Yeah, listen, whenever a town doesn't want you in, I don't be in. You know what I mean? <laughs> they don't want you there, you leave. That's uh, what I think. Especially if you don't own property in that area and they're not trying to run you off of it. If you just are stumbling in to investigate an area and people are this openly hostile and walking around looking awesome, shirtless, covered in blood with a giant fucking knife slaughtering a pig, maybe, yeah. just maybe, you shouldn't try and engage. I just would leave. Man, I, it's, I'm sorry, ma'am. Your son's dead. I mean, probably. So we out. Learn to read the face of the town you're in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. We can say your town. So you get the fuck out. Yeah. We should probably move on. Yeah. <laughs> the next 20 starts with they walk off and stumble onto a church service and they question the faith of the town. More English language dialogue, which I will be sorely missing very shortly. And our next clip. <laughs> Is this town Christian? I don't know. Seems really strange, though. Look at that guy. They're treating him like royalty. Holy shit. Speaking of strange. That's it? That's got to be what Eric was talking about. How can that be? It's still here. What the hell is it? I'm not sure. But it's the last thing that he wrote about in his journal. I say we check it out. I don't understand how it can be just sitting there in that one part of the forest. I can see why Eric was intrigued. I'm sorry, do you speak English? You go. We're looking for someone. Maybe you could help us. Get your hands off. Hey, English, yeah? You're English? So go to England. Go! All right. We're going. Relax. Nothing for you here, English. Pull over, Marcus. What? Why? Just pull over for a minute. We have to go back. What, are you kidding me? Those guys look like they wanted to kill us. They're hiding something up there in that forest. No, no, they wanted us out of there the minute that we got into town. No, no, that guy, he followed us halfway around the village. It wasn't until we started walking towards the fog that he came after us. That was the one place they wouldn't let us go, and the last place that Eric may have been. You don't think that's a major coincidence? Carmen, we can't. We have to. Why? Because if we don't, my career's done. Dale doesn't even know we're here. He thinks we're in Omaha covering some bullshit story. If I go back empty-handed, I'm finished. Are you fucking serious? You never got a go-ahead? Wait, you didn't tell him? Hold on a second. You knew about this, too? Look, they're hiding something up there in those trees, and I want to find out what it is. We came all this way. We can't just turn back now. Please, Marcus, I need this. We check it out, and that's it. Okay. Okay. Right? So the guy is talking for all of us, and, <laughs> and tried to say what we've been saying this whole fucking time. 
More or less, yeah. He's the voice of the audience at this point. Uh, Listeners who had fun with us covering Jack Brooks' Monster Slayer should recognize Jack as the badass Polish butcher who is menacing our leads during that last seed, uh, during that last clip. Uh, And you should also recognize his glorious abs as well. Ah, yes, the abs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being a little facetious, but I do really (laughs) like that actor, Trevor Matthews. Uh, at, At the end of the clip, they go walking into the creepy, smoky, forested area by hiking in from further on the other side of the woods, which is obviously a bigger hike than it would have been to have gone through the town, but are determined to fuck around and unconcerned about finding out heroin has no fucks to give about any of this, and that leads to our sixth clip. Should have known better to get her mixed up in this. She wanted to be here. She's a naive kid. It should be straight ahead from here. I'm pretty sure the church is off that way. Yeah, this feels right. This is so strange. How's it not moving? It's so dense. It's too dense. What do you mean? I can take a photo of whatever this is from here, but there's no way I can get a decent shot inside a fog that thick. Well, let's head in. Check it out. What difference does it make, Carmen? We can't shoot what we can't see. We didn't come all the way up here so we could take a photo of some clouds sitting in a forest, Marcus. Not exactly the story I'm looking for. Yeah, well, the story you're looking for is going to get us caught. Oh, my God. Would you stop worrying? No one even knows we're here. Yeah, no one in the whole fucking world knows that we're here. Jesus, Carmen. Sarah? Sarah? Okay, what the hell? Where is she? I don't know. But we should definitely be getting the fuck out of here. We're not just going to leave her here, Marcus. I didn't say that. All right, wait here. I'll go see what's going on. Hold on. I'll go check it out. No, Marcus. I brought us here. I'll go. Be careful. It's at this point that their relationship really starts to feel like the kind of place that they're at where, like, you feel like you should sit your homie down and be like, look, you guys should just break up. Maybe you guys should just <laughs> yeah, break this up. Yeah, this is definitely one of those moments Yeah, like, where you'd be like, hey, man, um, listen, not for nothing. You know I love her, right? I think she's great. I just don't think you guys are great together. That, or if you're really rude, man, she is straight up bitch. <laughs> oh, Jesus fucking misogyny, Christ. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I kind of got derailed on what I was actually going to say there by uh, your your merry prankster jokester ass there. So uh, I, we'll yeah. have to try and regain my shit and see if I can get it back after this. But I guess we'll see. That's what I get for fucking smoking. So it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, right, man. <laughs> All right. So while Carmen argues with her would-be estranged boyfriend, Sarah wanders off into the fog and disappears for what? feels like fucking forever as the couple continue to argue and make us all wish they would either hate fuck right now or break up before Carmen becomes determined to go look for Sarah. She wanders off into the dense fog doing so and it's either like fog or smoke or whatever the fuck it is this stuff. It's apparently when you get closer to it it feels more like a dense fog from what they've said than an actual smoke which is why I guess they're less scared to go wandering into it. But anyway she just does it without any more fucks to give. She becomes scared saying Sarah's name as the fog or smoke becomes disorienting and ethereal voices are heard in the mix all around, driving fear into terror for Carmen as she is unbelievably creeped out. Sarah on the outside of the fog, just like Palpatine, somehow returns and that leads to our seventh clip. Sarah. What happened? Sarah. Sarah. Where's Carmen? She's looking for you. Carmen! 
Carmen, she's here! Honestly, thought that was going to be more important dialogue than it ended up being, but, you know, it, <laughs> it is what it is, folks. It, tells, it happens. The film cuts back to Carmen after this and show her finding her way to a deformed demonic entity in statue form that somehow draws her in even closer to it. It appears to be holding a crushed heart, and there is a tremendous rumbling when she looks at its face. Her fear is subsided when she pauses to take quick photos of the statue, but when repositioning herself from another angle, she notices the statue head followed her, and then the face of the statue bleeds as the heart it is holding begins beating and bleeds as well, blood pouring out of just about everywhere on this fucking statue. Carmen is entranced by what has just happened and turns to run in fear of it. She has found out what she was never prepared to fuck around about. She makes it out of the forest, and that leads to our eighth clip. Carmen! You all right? You hurt? Hey, are you hurt? No. No, I'm all right. You should go. What did you see? I saw a statue. Yeah, I saw it too. Let's talk about this on the way back to the car. Carmen, leave it alone. Let's just go. Lydia, what are you doing here? I know where your friend is. You know where Eric Taylor is? Yes. I show you. Come. Follow. I really think that we need to get out of here. We're going. Come on. In there. In here. The girl led them to an earthen root cellar of some sort, where several coffins of victims dressed just like the missing boy Carmen and crew are looking for, and the first one they open is long since dried into full-fledged corpse jerky. Yeah, that uh, that made me want uh, that made me want like uh, some uh, made me want jerky, man. <laughs> Oberto, is that wrong? Oberto particularly. It, it looks like yeah. Oberto jerky, particularly that one corpse. It was nice and dry. Tasty. And, yeah. yeah. But, it's, but, it's, but it's real good. <laughs> it's quality corpse jerky. Quality that's quality corpse jerky right there. That's also a clip. Uh, the crew is obviously shook, but Homeboy shoots some photographs of the corpse, and Carmen wants to search specifically for Eric, so they just go popping coffin lids and revealing more corpses to keep ratcheting up the evil factor when they find Eric's body, and they know this because of the tattoo that was pointed out earlier, and try to pry the metal mask from his corpse. There's more dialogue and our next clip. Carmen. It's Eric. Oh, God. Yeah, that's not coming off. It feels like it's attached in the center somewhere. Well, that symbol. That's the same one from the church. Lydia, what have they done to him? Why is he wearing... Lydia? Lydia? She's gone. She locked us in. What? Why would she do that? Probably because it was part of her fucking plan, Carmen. Well, can you get us out? There's somebody down here. I got it. Come on. Let's go. We should go. Yeah, no shit, but where's the car from here? Let's head back this way. Hey, you okay? Yeah. There was a bit of a path up here. We've just got to find it. Wait, stop. 
Stay out in the open. Come on, go to that barn. Come on, Sarah. Come on! Come on! Get inside. Sarah! Can you see them? Marcus? No! With this clip, we make it to the 40-minute mark as they hide in a grain storage barn of some sort. <laughs> and a grain storage of some sort. <laughs> well, yeah, it had grains up on the wall that hadn't had the wheat separated from the chaff yet. And then they had bags of grain where it had been separated. So I just assumed it was a grain storage barn of some sort. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do what I can to describe it as short as I can, because I particularly am a bit too loquacious at times. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so far, uh, they fucked around and they found out, but what we think is actually happening and what is actually happening is obviously not the same thing. But what is definitely happening is they are being chased by these men and uh, they are being pursued for going out to the fog and to look in the statue, which they were warned not to do, but we don't know why. We just know that these men are pissed that they did this and shit is about to go down and it's bad. It's true. And yeah, it's not not all that great. Uh, anything else you want to add, or are we ready to move on? No, we can move on. We can move. On. I got really nothing else. This is all pretty creepy, and I can't believe these people are in the goddamn forest doing this shit. <laughs> all right, you so- got to get the fuck out. <laughs> At this point, we need a young priest and an old priest. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And the old priest can just go ahead and die, and the young priest can throw himself out a fucking window. <laughs> Roll down a bunch of staircases and save the day. Yeah, there you go. That's how it's done. <laughs> All right. So the next 20 starts with them hiding out in the barn and trying to come to terms with what it is that they are seeing and experiencing, as this has clearly been a doozy of a day for them. Can't believe I wrote it like that, but I did. <laughs> it's a doozy. <laughs> that leads to our next clip. Never should have come here, Carmen. This whole fucking thing was a mistake. I'm sorry. This is all my fault. I I shouldn't have been so selfish. I just wanted a good story. I, please, Marcus. Please, I'm so sorry for everything. Oh my God. Let's get out of here. Go, Sarah. Hurry. Come on. Trevor Matthews, as the butcher, arrives with his homies to collect the meddling morons, kids, as violence breaks out, which I left in there because it was, you know, a way to pad out the show, and uh, some pretty great action as well, and uh, an intense fucking foot chase. As the intern is shot in the hamstring to collect and drug later, Carmen is knocked out cold, and old Jack Brooks monster slayer himself runs down and flat out embarrasses the fuck out of the hero cameraman kid, Marcos, in the pre-mentioned foot chase. It's great. He actually runs in front of him, runs alongside of him, looks at him, then runs diagonally away from him, keeps pace with him because he knows where he's headed, and then just watches him fall down the hill, and then jumps down the hill to stand there and wait. That's basically how it happens. It's fucking great. Yeah, it really is. It's kind of of fucking cool, though. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I enjoy it. 
The camera guy pops a small, and I mean small, pocket knife like he is going to do something. And the butcher, who has a Crocodile Dundee level of knife, once again lets the dude embarrass himself by trying to go toe-to-toe with him in a knife fight. Basically, the butcher dude only has to punch using his knife like a set of brass knuckles, and he has him down for the count in two punches. And unconscious by four, maybe five max. Yeah, he really does. We fade to black and fade in to the group being woken up all tied up and held captive as the people of the town discuss them and what to do. Again, this is in fucking Polish. I don't fucking speak Polish and if you don't fucking speak Polish, this is way more terrifying for you, for sure. I knew everything they were seeing or saying. No, I didn't. I didn't know a damn thing. I didn't know. It's gibberish. And really off-putting. They are led to the priest and his three henchmen, and they tell him something we are not meant to know as he examines them all one by one. Spending time on the intern, and she is looking awful at this moment, so we know something bad is happening for all of them, no matter what. They separate the man from the two women and drag the ladies off to the murder earthen cellar and beyond to an inner ritual chamber we saw at the beginning of the film so we know for sure they are fucked have fun storm in the castle they are forced to kneel and their shoes and clothing are cut away from them which is really harsh to watch as you hear them cry out and they are in terror and panic the way this is set up it is purposely to make you feel even more uncomfortable and scared and it has to be even more off-putting because what they're doing here is you see the man being dragged away from them and then they get taken somewhere by like the bulk of the guys that are there and then they're in this ritual chamber and then they are stripped naked. So it gets even more terrifying and you're even more concerned of what horrible shit you're going to have yeah. to watch happen to them. Oh, God. And again, they are naked while terrified. So this is not a thank you movie. No, this is uh, this is very much no thank you movie. I we I did not need this. Uh, no, thank you. They finally dress the women, so we're a bit relieved, but then we notice that they are wearing the ritualistic murder dresses as the main priest walks up to them and examines their eyes closely, picking the intern first and putting Carmen in a cage. The girl is strapped down, and we are shown the ritual in full as they stand around her and demonic faces show up on the men from her perspective. One of them gets a knife and slashes the girl's wrist to have her start to bleed out. The main priest guy does some kind of prayer as the intern's ankles are also slashed and she sees the demonic face from the statue in the priest. We then see the photographer dude digging his own grave at gunpoint. One of the two men watching him decides to leave for some reason after they argue. I don't know why, because again, I don't fucking speak Polish. They cut back to the murder ritual where a mask held above the eyes with two spikes are about to be driven into the ocular cavities to kill this person. It's positioned over Sarah the intern's face. They get wooden sledgehammers and prepare the death as the mask is driven deep into the girl's face killing her. And holy fuck is that harsh and holy fuck does that feel so cold the way they're doing it. Yeah, that's not cool. I did not have a good time. Our lead actress, the character Carmen, starts to see demonic faces in these men as well. Gee, I wonder why. And a prayer of some sort is said over the body of Sarah after her death. While digging what seems to be his grave, the photographer makes a move and gets the gun knocked out of the dude's 
watching him's hand and knocks him the fuck out with the shovel immediately afterwards. He collects the gun and they cut to the ritual post-death again as more prayers are spoken. We then see that the photographer is there to save the day for Carmen and he arrives just in time for Sarah's corpse to be collected and placed in the box like the others. The photographer acts just as Carmen is to be collected and killed to rescue her and then they dart off after locking the dudes in the ritual chamber and that is the end of the first hour where we will then fucking rocket right to the end of this after that jesus christ man that's a, a pretty hefty event going on around here yeah here's the thing it's obviously all about the statue and them going to see it but we don't know why and the real fear is here where we have no idea what is happening or why these people are doing all of this so just go with it and don't try to understand and again don't get the subtitles for the Polish don't try to do that because if you do it will spoil any reveal to you in any way shape or form and be just a straightforward flick at that point because you're going to know what everyone is saying and it takes all of the tension out of it. Plus, I mean, you may have a, on a rewatch, something like that might work. I mean, like, I, I don't know. You can't really get this film very easily much anymore. And every place I've ever seen it that it was available, there were no English even subtitles. And if there were English subtitles for like the hearing impaired, it would say speaking Polish. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, it's, yeah, in, exactly. it's it's intentional. That's the way it's supposed to be. But I know that there was a release at one point in time, I think, or a version of it where you could put on the subtitles and including the Polish that was translated and you pretty much knew the entirety of the film as it was going and it just feels very straightforward and you know like hey you're being warned here you're ignoring the warnings and you continue to ignore the warnings even though it's obvious what these warnings are to us so there might be some tension to watch it that way sure but like I I think this other way works where you have no idea what the fuck they're talking about you know what I mean I love that uh, the the fact that you have no idea what they're talking about really gets you gets you into it yeah it ratchets up the tension even more so than them just sitting there and like trying to be sadistic and tell them everything that they're going to do you automatically infer through xenophobia that because you don't understand what they're saying that there's a sinister purpose behind what it is that they're doing and then even when they murder this girl obviously you think well they're just murdering this girl and this is clearly just something that they do it has something to do with the statue and because she saw it oh look they're taking out her eyes you know what I mean like it's just I guess this is just a thing that they do is this some kind of a cult why the fuck are they doing it and like we've got 24 ish minutes left and no fucking answers and all of this tension and this film at this point could really fucking shit the bed for you if it doesn't deliver yeah. what all of this promise has been led up to because this is an endurance run to this point yeah you are i mean especially after that what we watched in that uh, the one lady can just get massacred you're you're kind of fucking trying to catch your breath now. For some of us, we've been waiting for the actual horror and not just the um, creepy, atmospheric um, tension and vibes. And, and we, don't get me wrong, I love that in a horror film, but every now and then, I just want to see a mask hammered through somebody's face where their eyes are getting gouged out with giant spikes because they saw an evil statue. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, holy shit. Mm. <laughs> the, the spikes in the eyes. I'm still... 
Man, that still shook me because you know me. Right. And it's it's heavily implied. You actually don't really see the gouging of the eyes like a I, Fulci I style. don't need to see it to know what's happening. Right. But the way that they heavily imply it puts it into your brain in such a way. And it's so obtrusive because when the hammer strikes that piece of metal and smacks it out of like the two wooden hook things that are holding it and just like slams it down into her face, like your brain fills in the blanks and you think you hear a crunch that you actually aren't hearing you think you see a bunch of blood splatter out that you're not actually seeing because your brain fills in the blanks and what you're picturing in your mind will always be a hundred times worse than what they could actually show you constantly you were very right now, I am positive that they took the step that they took because they didn't have the money for the for the effects that they wanted to do. So they needed to save those effects for just certain moments because this is very clearly a very low budget film. And they find a way to make it feel like somehow when they left modern America and went to Poland, they ended up in like pre-World War One Poland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what the hell? Which Poland are we in here? <laughs> right. Like it feels very remote and very rural and very like technology never even came here like they don't even know about indoor plumbing or the telephone the way that this place looks because they want to be that secluded yeah seems that way (laughs) yeah definitely kind of creepy yeah it does a really great job of building up the tension at this point and uh this is this is basically the tipping point of when we really start to get the story unloaded on us and uh once it goes it it goes fast so i mean that's why i'm just gonna barrel through in the last 24 do you have anything else you need to say before we do that nope let's go all right, so here it goes with the last 24-ish minutes or so. Uh, the pair is running through the woods for their lives. They stop and have some dialogue. Thank fuck I had to write all this. So that's our next clip. Marcus, wait. No, no, no. We have to keep moving. Don't touch me. We need a car. We're gonna go to that farmhouse. We're gonna get a vehicle. We're gonna get the hell out of here. You don't have to run anymore, okay? Let's go. Come on. Carmen. Carmen! We have to get the keys. I'm gonna go inside, you wait here. No, no, I'm coming with you. Stay behind me. I'm not gonna hurt you. I need your truck. I need the keys to your truck. Alec! Calm down, we just need your keys. I don't want to hurt anyone. You just give us the keys and we will leave. Mama wants to Daddy, you're not staying town. You're not staying The keys, where are they? Near Russia. Russia, Russia, go. Relax. Emilia, what's your stuff? Don't move. Who else is in the house? Russia, near the room, near the To Ali, to Dipsha Klenji, so stop your nuts. So stop your nuts, Russia. In the other room. Now! Move! I said move. What you hear there at the end of the clip is the dudes in the ritual chamber getting out and breaking their way out. And they do that kind of cut there at the end. Uh, They cut from that back to where we see that the photographer is tying up the parents and leaving the kid untied and terrified. Carmen is having more visions and is justifiably terrified by them. Some very Evil Dead 2 vibes to this terrifying auditory reality distortion and the appearance of the demon faces as well. The photographer begins interrogating the family and that offers us some more English dialogue, so fuck it. That's our next clip. English. He's 
speak English? My nie możemy tutaj przebywać z nią. On tu przyjdzie. Save him, must leave. Where are the keys to the truck? I, I do not know. Ask your father where they are, or I'm gonna pull this trigger. Proszę, nie tyka jej. He needs to tell me now. I am not fucking kidding. Darius, kluci są w kuchni, sufladzie obok zlewo. The kitchen. They're in the kitchen. Please come. I show you. All right. Let's go. I'm sorry, but I have to. Please, woman, she is evil. She is seen to stab you. Please. This entire clip, Carmen's visions of evil things get worse and continue to intensify, and she has to go lock herself in the bathroom as it just continues to intensify even more, and it is obviously wearing down her resistance in what feels an awful lot like an attempt at demonic possession. This, yes. This stuff is pretty effective and is definitely showing us some evil dead love in the manner that the demons wear her down. We see and hear this possession possession happen as the entity screeches upon its ability to take full control and i want to point out that marcus has tied up this entire family and there is a demon possessed person waiting to wreak havoc on them all this is all done in audio with marcus just listening and i decided to get a little funky with it so that audio of their slaughter is our next clip <laughs> marcus carmen Are you all right? I chose that clip is because they save a shit ton of money by basically having you listen to and be horrified by the sounds of this family being eviscerated and playing it all out on the young Ashmore man's face. Yes. <laughs> it actually and is, it is quite, creepy. Yeah, it's, it did quite well. Yeah, the audio sound effects that they actually did spend the money on fucking are really horrifying and squishy and gross. And uh, yeah. you really fucking feel it. <laughs> Marcus, yeah, you really fucking do. Yeah. 
<laughs> Marcus goes to examine the devastation he has brought upon this family when the door to the room he is in opens on its own and he goes off to investigate it with a gun held firmly in hand. We see the gutted child in the kitchen first. Fucking awesome. Then Jesus. the dead mom and dad as we hear the demonic voice laugh and Marcos is attacked by his demon-possessed lover. The demon is speaking English at him and you know how that's going to go the next clip. Rozkazuję ci, wracaj do piekła, z którego wyszedłeś. fucking creepy. I had to leave all of that in. <laughs> yeah. Just the worst. As you kind of heard there at the end, the priests break into attack. The first one that goes to get after the demon is turned into a hamburger in front of everybody. And then immediately Jack Brooks, demon slaying butcher, <laughs> steps in and gets a stab in before getting Ash smashed into a table and knocked out. I am convinced this movie is really going for Evil Dead, but like serious. With yeah, point. I think so. The next Maybe like one of the Evil Dead, that Evil Dead remake, which is more serious than anything. Yeah, like Evil Dead Rise, which is even more serious than that one. Yeah. <laughs> A grittier, more mean-spirited Evil Dead is what ends up happening every time they remake it. I know, right? Jesus. <laughs> the next priest is subdued and held hostage as the demon tells the main priest his men are weak and proceeds to stab Evil Dead style into the hostage priest with the knife the demon-possessed girl pulls out of its own side first. That was fucking badass. Yeah, that was pretty fucking good. Not exorcism, but what seems to be like a means to try and hold the demon is attempted by the main priest, complete with crosses catching on fire and holy water back as the priest calls out for the mask, but the only man left is too horrified to do anything about it. The main priest is stabbed and the demon mocks him as he falls. Jack Brooks, demon slaying butcher, comes to consciousness and picks up the mantle, casting the demon with holy water and when it charges him, he pulls out a sword and prays that demon to the floor with the sword buried into its stomach. He pins it down using that sword then they pin down the arms using knives 
uh, at the wrist. I was hoping that's what it would do because you'd need to put it at least at the wrist to hold the arms down. And then Jack Brooks demon slaying butcher positions himself to smash said mask into the demon's face. The demon keeps rocking its head back and forth side to side to keep from putting the spikes in the needed place. And Jack Brooks demon slaying butcher signals to Marcos it's his time to hold that fucking head to end all of this. So he actually does it. His own girlfriend, he holds her head so that they can do this. And it's right before the mask is rammed home. The demon tries to trick Marcos that obviously traumatizes him, but does not stop it. It basically lets her look like herself and then beg for help. And then the mask is driven home and the possession has ended. They are obviously talking about what to do about Marcos after this death when they all stand up and catch their breath. And the look on Jack Brooks' demon slaying butcher's face when he answers is pretty grim and it does not look good for Marcos at all. No. They hover over the corpse of Carmen and fade into a weird half fan, half flatbed vehicle of some sort. Like the front half of it looks like a little minivan. The back half of it looks like a flatbed truck. Really odd, did not quite get what it was supposed to be. Anyway, Marcos is being led to it and that leads to our final fucking clip. She will take you where you need to go. What is it up there in the trees? This is curse left here on our land from long ago. It cannot be undone. And roll those motherfucking credits. man. It is curse left on our land from many years ago. It cannot be undone. Yeah, right? Jesus. All of those people literally live there trying to keep people away from this. That's the only reason that that town exists. They are are settling there and they are living the bare minimum existence they possibly can just to try and keep people away from this. Um, That is insane. My thought was like, have you thought about putting up signs about a toxic waste site? Um, Yeah. Like radioactive. Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shit like that. No, I I hear you. (laughs) <laughs> rabbit bull weevils do not enter yeah <laughs> listen there's a bunny in the cave and uh trust me when i say this you don't want to fuck with them it's got huge sharp pointy teeth <laughs> look at the bones <laughs> what an incredibly eccentric person <laughs> no this movie's but fucking yeah. horrifying it works for me every time i watch it i always feel uncomfortable and i know what's coming and i see all of the warning signs that carmen ignores and like it, i can see where some people that uh would call this like a kind of paint by numbers or they would have a problem with some of the stuff that happens in the story and i'm sure that the story has its detractors but i mean it's a very straightforward written script that finds a way to really pull the wool over your eyes and make you think that one thing is happening and then reveal to you no no they didn't kill you just because you saw the statue they weren't slaughtering people this wasn't like a sacrificial thing they weren't selling body parts or disappearing people like she may have thought she was going to uncover there's cursed earth here that they are trying to protect people from and of course they're going to be surly because they're fucking tired of having to do this they spend generations of fucking misery here trying to protect the rest of the human race from their cursed land and what do they get in thanks for it people fucking ignore them and hike in from the other side yeah pretty much 
Just go <laughs> fuck yourselves, I guess. And every time they fucking do this, they lose at least a family, if not more, if they don't do it right. So they have to do it as yeah. efficiently and effectively as possible. Everybody in the town has to be in on it. They have to help and protect everybody. This is sort of like a reverse wicker man in that he, they weren't invited here to become a sacrifice. They went fucking around where they shouldn't have been trying to find out. And they yeah. fucking found out way more than they knew that they were fucking around for. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do not have any pity for Carmen at all. I do have no. pity for Sarah. She is a fool who followed someone that she admired into her on timely death. And the person I feel the worst for by the end of it is the person I like the least, which is Marcos, because he's he's such a fucking toxic male through like most of this film until it's finally time to fucking step up. And then he starts doing the right shit. And then it turns out that he's doing all the right shit for the wrong fucking reasons and helping out the wrong side yeah <laughs> but he doesn't know that <laughs> right and he gets a family killed like he's got to live the rest of his life with knowing that he watched a little boy get gutted in front of him because he didn't fucking know what was happening and he just yeah, ran it, in fear that's that's right yep jesus <laughs> He's not coming back from this shit. He's fucking rot to the core. He's yeah, spoiled. he's going to be he's going to be done for the rest of his life. He'll never be normal again. Yeah. And if you were to do a sequel to this, it would be him coming back to the shrine because he needs to know what his lady went through and he can't help himself. And he's ready to be sacrificed, you know, or, or murdered afterwards, too, because he just has got survivor's guild. And then boom, then he'll live in a town right outside that town trying to stop people from visiting. <laughs> you don't want to go down that road. No, yeah, exactly. I want to go down that route sometimes dead is better did you get the sensation that maybe the smoke was there and like the fog was just rising just enough above the forest to get people to be curious just to get them to the site and then once they got closer to it to where they were actually within sight of the fog that it was enticing them further because it looks like everybody almost walked in without even thinking about it when they first discover it and then because the other two got distracted arguing Sarah is the one that actually looks like she gets charmed in or like enticed in with like some kind of fairy glance kind of thing to go into that area. Did you get that feeling that that was kind of what was happening? Yeah, I, I thought so. Yeah, I thought I got that. It's like it was a it, it, it was like there was supernatural entities working to draw them all in almost like it's like a ring curse where because she wanted to know what happened to this guy and went poking around, it basically wouldn't let her give up. And that obsession that was growing and growing, growing was essentially the demons calling to her because this is all it has on this curse. Yeah, earth. like it has this portal and you go to the statue, you look at the statue and essentially what happens is just the horrific vision of the statue in your mind opens the door and then they just start fucking with you until they wear down your ability to fight them and then they can take control just like demonic possession is purported to do this is a really yeah. well written demonic possession story that uses the fact that your perception of reality will change once you're under that influence of a demonic entity and uh, basically puts that on the audience and terrifies you even further until you're snapped to by the only person that wasn't infected realize what's happening and then being shown everything from his perspective. This is a very tightly written script, although it feels like it would be very simplistic. There's a lot of beats and moments that they have to do that they have to hit just right to make this twist work for you. And it definitely does for me. And I don't know why it wouldn't for other people, because like, I feel like they timed everything out just right for that. They really worked well. Uh, it's a nice tight movie. Like we said, it's, it's shorter, but it 
it does the most with the little time it's given. Yeah. Yeah. It just fucking comes out swinging from the corner and tries to knock you out in the first two rounds because it, yeah. it, it's like butterbean. It ain't got four rounds in it. So it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it can't do it in four rounds, that fight's going to go to decision. If That's it can't do it, it in four rounds, it might as well not do it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you want to cut it off here from talking about that? We'll take a little break and then uh, do a quick story time. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. All right. So on the Pirate Radio Ed, up next the curse of the pharaohs because again everything has to do with curses here and the band is merciful fate and right after that we'll do a story time octave range i believe he has that's what i've heard i think Damn, that's some good shit right there nine fucking octave range man yeah, yeah. Merciful, merciful fate is definitely the kind of metal that you need to get yourself into matt you need to get your soul damned to hell by listening to king diamond and merciful fate well fine <laughs> well while you're considering doing that why don't we just give everybody else a story time Time. You have one? Well, I mean, geez, I don't know. But I mean, I guess if we're going to go by curses, we could always talk about we, we do have some uh, interesting what folklore curses uh, here in the uh, in, in our own Omaha area. There's one in uh, uh, a cemetery that has a almost like a guard uh, statue on it. So uh, it or not a guard, like a soldier. And it, and it says if you touch the pinpoint of the rifle, you'll die. Really? Like you try to cross the street, you're going to get hit by a car and you will die. Really? Are we yeah. going to tell people what cemetery this is supposed to be in Omaha? Uh, that one I don't know. Okay. So you don't want to go down that route. I don't want to go down that route. And then there's always in the in the Holcomb Park, there's the 13th stair, the stairs to hell. Oh, yeah. Isn't it like somebody died there or there was a kid that got it's murdered? It's not that someone died there. It's that uh, you don't know. No, it's supposed to be you go and it's again under the curse and it's supposed to be you go in there and while you you count like you go down the stairs and then you go up the stairs and you get a different number of stairs and then you know that you've walked the stairs of hell and then they're cursed <laughs> okay what's the curse supposed to do there I, I you know what that's i really i have no idea you're just cursed <laughs> your land is now cursed and then you have a fucking demon shrine statue that you got to try and ward people away from for like ever or you got to yeah i the guess possess people everywhere yeah <laughs> something like that do you have any more uh no that's it for me if you got anything there are 
okay. Not in Omaha, because I don't know fuck all about the history of Omaha very much. So, because I don't care. I just fucking, this is where I landed. <laughs> you yeah. Know, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. But um, back home, actually, uh, and I'm not going to tell people about these places, but there was, and now there's a bunch of haunted houses and things like that that uh, I could definitely talk about at home. But there was a patch of ground that was basically like an old mine that had the very, the thing that they always try to say about mines when people dig too deep or get too greedy that they may have opened up the actual portal to hell, right? Like that they're, they're yeah. they may have actually dug their way to where the devil actually resides and made it to where they were too deep in the earth and then they had to close it off and blah, 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 blah. And essentially, if you went looking for that mine up in that hill, apparently, like you were, if you were doing it to like seek your fortune, I think you were cursed like to basically like die of starvation in poverty or worse. And then like, Jesus. I guess, I guess like the curse was also death if you went all the way in. Like just seeking it meant that you were going to be dying of starvation and, and like just going into the hill, like up the yeah. hollow that that's supposed to be and where that old mine was supposed to be. But like if you were like, because they collapsed it and, you know, um, had like uh, everything kind of buried in front of it or it was supposed to be sealed off is what I'm getting at. But like if you tried to get in to the mine, like things got even worse. I can't remember what all the curses were. But essentially, I think it was just people not wanting people trespassing in a place that'll probably get them killed anyway. So they just told them you're going to die. You go up there. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a lot of that. Oh, oh, I know what it was. Um, you immediately um, like body and all are dragged to hell if you try to get into the opening or open it in some way. Like basically like your corpse becomes the thing that plugs the hole or something. Like oh, that yeah. And then your soul is forever burning in hell or something along those lines. Like, you know, like Appalachia Mountain kind of tale. That's the only kind of like cursed earth stories that I can think of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely say that being in a situation like this where you are in a land or a place where you do not speak the language and you are surrounded by people who are very clearly upset with you for something that you're doing and you don't understand what's going on, uh, it definitely is very terrifying when that does happen to you and you just don't know what's happening. Um, and just having people screaming at you for whatever reason, even when you can understand what they're screaming, that's also terrifying. But yeah, you, right. Yeah. It's, it, none of it sounds good. <laughs> right. Being in an area like that where you do not speak the language of the people that are in your face and very angry for something that you just did, like which all you did was just walk around. Yeah, that can definitely be something that's absolutely horrifying. I don't yeah. I don't think this movie takes that to the point where it's xenophobia, because I don't think that by giving the big reveal at the end that, you know, hey, you came trespassing on their land and it turns out the land's cursed and they were trying to protect you and it's your own damn fault. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't. Yeah, it, it's not xenophobic because, yeah, you're exactly right. It's pretty much telling you not to do the kind of horse shit that these people did. <laughs> I can probably do another story, but I just need this answered or not, whether it's whether or not that I'll do it. And that is if uh, it's like Juan, the curse, where if you go into a haunted house and you are cursed to die or worse, like, is that that considered OK for a curse for a story for me to tell? Sure. Yeah, oh. I think so. Okay, so I will not say the name of the people out of respect for the family members that are involved, but there's another place uh, where an axe murder apparently happened, not in Iowa like you're thinking I'm talking about, but very similar to it, but back home okay. where I grew up. And it was another one of those like farms, you know, when, you know what I say when I, what I mean when I say like a holler, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Okay, like the opening between the two hills, like somewhat forested area, but it can be cleared out and turned into a farm. Pretty much like the valley living folks that 
that live in the hills, anywhere that they can that's open, that's how they're going to live. So there is like a farm that was put out in the back of this holler. It's like homesteader time frame kind of thing. Like I think it was like an old log cabin. They had like a barn built. Um, and then they started building a house or they had a house mostly built. Um, all of that had been since burned to the ground at this point. But uh, when you go up there, uh, you essentially like have to go back like this, like sort of trodden path that you can only walk in because everything else is overgrown and like there's weeds and things like that but there's like a certain path where people that do dare to go walk through you can you can get there and then there's like a little area of a dirt road that sort of goes up there that then turns into somebody's driveway in the other section but like you can kind of park off to the side where that dirt road is and take the trail at this right. at this thing i'm describing because i've been there is what i'm kidding yeah <laughs> uh you it basically if you go up to this place where it's supposed to be burnt down like this and i went there during the day without realizing that that's where it was and i was told to never go there at night because the idea is they were murdered there at night and if you go there at night the the fate of the family that was visited upon them depending upon where you're at like because certain people died at different areas that were killed by this axe murderer that happened to slaughter the family like one of the kids i think made it outside and died so like if you disturb where they're at at night where they lost their life um like the mother i think was like supposed to be in the house and then the like the father was like uh in the barn area and like was halfway ran towards the house when this started happening or something like that and got slaughtered. I don't know all the details and some of it I'm just kind of filling in because that's how these types of tales work. But anyway, like you can't go to the barn because if you step in the foundation of the barn, you'll die the way the father did. If you step in the foundation of the house, you'll die the way the mother did. And if you like are in the grounds where the child died, which no one really knows where it is, which is basically the way to tell you that anywhere up there you shouldn't tread, you could die the way that that kid did. And I think there was like another one somewhere else in another spot, but it was basically like if there was a plot where there used to be a building that still had a foundation or ruined stuff, you died the way that the person that died at that location died. And like if there's other people that were just there and then saw one of their ghosts, then they would die somewhere up there. And then you would basically see that ghost if you were in their location and the ghost that killed them. And, you know, then you would become part of the chain. And it was basically like that was the idea was that it was just a chain of deaths that happened for anybody that went fooling around there at night. Like and it had to be like at the time that they died, you know, and that kind of thing. And like I yeah. said, I never went up there at night just because it's a fucking vacant lot with a bunch of burned down buildings. And why do you want to go walking in there in the forest other than because you think you'll be cursed and you want to have a good old spooky time <laughs> yeah and and typically um i you're very right when you say like uh most of these places that are quote unquote cursed are typically so that people just stay out of them yeah like I'm, whether it's dangerous or it's just a family at lot and it's like could you guys just leave our stuff alone <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially that particular location. Again, I won't say the name of it. And anybody who grew up with me that like actually might listen to this will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like anything that's like that, any of those types of places, more than likely it got started because either people wanted to get creeped out and they wanted to go exploring the place and they needed to have a story to tell to make it more fun to be there. And then it just got handed down and it became folklore. Or in this case, something horrible actually happened there and people just want you to not go up there and fuck around. You yeah. Know? Stop going up there. Stop fucking around. Stop making this like, I don't know, like probably hurts like maybe family members and shit. So yeah, there's a reason why the people that still own that land have never developed it and continue to try to let it overgrow and have even planted brambles and things like that, that people still carve their way through with this footpath. Yeah. (laughs) 
Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, basically the moral of the story for the movie and uh, the story times for this week, which actually kind of got me a little creeped out thinking about all these old tales and how it used to creep me out as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, the the moral of the story for all of this is don't go fucking around if you don't want to find out. And sometimes you find out way more than you were fucking around about. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, it is the old time adage. Fuck around and find out. Well. And when you do, don't complain about it when you find out. All right. So the song that's going to take us into the ending is going to be the song Curse All You Men by the band Emperor. But that will play right after this. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. talk about cursing and curses and all that kind of stuff has got me all jazzed up i'm glad i chose black metal for this episode it just seems so fucking fitting right yeah it's nice (laughs) all right Uh, fuck let's just fucking end this show before i actually get deep deep into the ending of the show uh because it's black metal and a lot of people won't recognize in case you like some of the stuff that you heard um i gave you all of the songs except for the one that's going to be coming up right after i do my whole spiel and talk about kicking the fuck out of this week and that is the band mayhem and the song that we'll be playing after that is called cursed in eternity for everyone yeah because that's what you end up 
being after Jimmy Eternity. <laughs> kind of a wrestling promo the way you did that. If you'd like to find the other instances where Matt has done something kind of like a wrestling promo, that's pretty much the previous 423 episodes that he's done something kind of wrestling yeah, promo. Usually. <laughs> you can find that at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. You can also find me on the Legion Discord chat where you can try and convince me that maybe I should stop saying the entirety of that URL, even though it's fun for me to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't let anybody tell you not to do your shit. One of the places I like to do my shit is the Instagram feed of cinema underscore psyops where I shit out memes three times a day on my working day for the working week with the working men, which you can enjoy. If you're a CEO, that meme repository is not for you. No, just, uh, you know, let us let us lowly people have all these goddamn memes. We don't get much, but we like memes. <laughs> also, it's not for the scab because you're yeah. the, the working man, too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Scabs. So here's the rundown of how these socialist memes are being handed out to you. We first yeah. put them on the main feed of Cinema underscore PsyOps on Instagram. Then it gets shared to the Facebook page of Cinema PsyOps. Then to the Facebook group of Cinema PsyOps, all aptly named for this podcast, Cinema PsyOps. And then also to my main feed of Court PsyOps there on Facebook, where you can message me and stop telling me to indoctrinating the children with the socialism. But I'm not going to listen to you at all because while you're out there trying to improve the rest of the world and help and support your fellow man. Kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. It sounds like what happens inside my brain. You're a loser. 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 Yep, that's exactly it. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Other than, you know, the never-ending anxiety inside your brain that does the same shit to me. Uh, That's about it. Recording in progress. That's we got. All right, well, why don't you give me a three, two, one, and then we can talk about the relaxing and charming film that will make us all feel at peace that is The Shrine. Three, two, one. All right. And I'm going to go ahead and roll a little bit of the uh, opening song. And here we go. Let me bring up the show housekeeping after I text my wife and then put all of this into the outtakes. What What in the butt? <laughs> That's not what I was saying, but also, yes.
trying to improve the rest of the world and help and support your fellow man. Kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bit. <laughs> Holy Good fucking stuff. babbling court, Batman. Yeah, right? <laughs> Jesus. But hey, it's what we do. Recording stopped.